0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله. Dear brothers and sisters assalamu Alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. and welcome to another Ilm feed podcast episode I'm your host Fatima Barakatullah and as usual I've got a guest with me now today the guest is someone who I'm really excited to talk to uh, I'm so excited that I'm gonna have to like become very mindful because there's so many things I'd love to talk to her about. My guest is Sister Lauren Booth. Lauren Booth is a journalist, political activist, and I read that she recently in an article that she is one of Britain's highest profile converts to Islam. MashaAllah. Uh, Sister Lauren has been Muslim for nearly 10 years now. MashaAllah. Yes, yes. And she's recently uh, published her fantastic memoir, Uh, Finding Peace in the Holy Land, a British memoir. Um, She's currently preparing to roll out her one-woman show, Accidental Muslim, all over the UK. Um, And most importantly, she's our sister in Islam. MashaAllah. So welcome, Lauren.
1: JazakAllah Salaamu khair. alaykum. alaykum salam rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And salam alaykum to all of your listeners. And a uh, big love to my, my sister, Ustada Fatima. But I have to say, you know what? I've had a long day today in rehearsals, which is beautiful. But 101 mistake. I forgot these are filmed now. So there you go. Real face on. Yeah. Oh,
0: MashaAllah. You, you have Noor, MashaAllah, you. on your face. JazakAllah khairan for coming all this
1: way and... So 10 years, how does it feel? It feels like there should be a big anniversary party and uh, alhamdulillah, <clears throat> it feels beautiful. Much, Many realisations and a need to revisit the basics. I, I realise that, really? that mm-hmm. I find that this is my second set of five years and again, I'm I'm thinking right now. You have to go back and make sure you actually know what the dean is. Don't just presume that you're learning it as you go along, because you're learning mistakes. It's a bit like driving a car. You know, when you've been driving ten years, if you were to sit the exam, they'd go, "What? You haven't checked your mirror. You haven't done the. You know, you, you haven't indicated. You go into autopilot. You just, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so that's where that's where I feel
0: I'm
1: <clears throat> ill-wise.
0: Well, you know, I actually yeah. still remember that. GPU event, uh, mm. the the global peace and unity event, when you stood up on that stage and with your daughter and it was just so heartfelt the way and very public, you know, the way you kind of spoke of your love for a Muslim culture and Muslims and and then how you had come to accept Islam. And, and it was a big deal. Like, everyone was talking about it. Um, and
1: it just doesn't feel like it's been so long but mm. mashallah like well, if you, if your... you saw my daughter who's so little there and now <laughs> she's uh, yeah. you know nearly 19 and going to university we tell our she's time by sim- our kids
0: she's a symbol of all the years that have gone by subhanallah so uh, can you share with us like some of the lessons that you'd say that those 10 years have taught you i mean for example like if there's an if there's a new muslim today Who, you know, if you could tell, actually, if you could tell yourself some advice, you know, now
1: uh, looking back, what would that advice be? So, bismillahirrahmanirrahim, I think the first thing is that... that You know, don't jump into trying to be the perfect Muslim right away because there were so many decisions I made because, you know, it's when you come to Islam, you make decisions based on really wanting to please Allah. So I don't really want to advise my younger self, don't make those decisions, but they do send you into a spiral of difficulties but Allah will reward you. So so when I look back I did things like I I left I left TV shows. I don't wanna be on TV. Can't can't do that. Haram haram. But but I did it out of love for Allah. So I, so I know that he that he loves me and he will reward me for that. But it sent me sent me down a a confusion of what should your career be then and starting from scratch which is other difficulties. So I think the main thing if you if you're thinking of coming to Islam or you've just taken your shahada is you know breathe. Just ask Allah and don't make the halal haram. So don't make what is, find out what is okay and stay with that. And don't, don't, don't be so harsh on yourself. Slowly, slowly. I
0: actually remember Sheikh Abdurrahim Green talking about this once. And he was talking about how when he embraced Islam, um, like you said, things that were that are actually halal, he just, he was just like against, like he he refused to play tennis with his mom, for example. <laughs>
1: yeah, something
0: as like yeah. innocuous as that, you know. Yeah. And do you think it's something like <clears throat> this desire, this desire to leave behind the past that
1: causes you know the, some
0: new Muslims to kind of
1: I go the extra mile? I, th- I think um, actually, personally, I think it's a propulsion into a new future. And and you read about these amazing people and you get it. And you just want to be close to Allah. And that means you can't live in the modern age. So mm-hmm. I so I think there are elements of confusion and elements of, of a genuine um, ikhlas. And may Allah accept our sincerity. Mm-hmm. And then the first stumbling steps, like I love that the ARG didn't play tennis with his mom <laughs> and said that was wrong. And, um, and a lack of back that you know people reaching out and really giving good advice and I, I you know I think I think honestly that that the mainstream muslim community perhaps needs to understand that while new muslims seem very judgy um try 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 and know that they love Allah so much because the other thing I will say sister is I've never since felt as close to Allah as I did trying to please him that hard and making those mistakes so, so part I'm... of me for 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 all the the kind of here and nowness that that I have now, and and slightly you know getting more confident and 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 thinking this is right and this is wrong and I understand what that means. Nah, that was that that was I believe that was the feeling, but I was going about it the wrong way. So, so quite how to come full circle without making a mess of things that I haven't worked out. Anybody mm-hmm. know out there, inshallah? <laughs> but do you not think that
0: that's life? I mean, like even when we were growing up right uh when we say first fell in love or we first do something anything mm. we kind of go a bit too far first or we we jump in and we try things out and we and then slowly but surely we it's like you're kind of navigating your way or and then eventually you you do come to you know that sort of middle ground um i do think that sometimes uh, with new muslims like There's this tendency for that kind of initial part when they first embrace Islam for everyone to be excited, inundate them with too much information or wanting to tell them their version of Islam or their kind of group, you know, uh, idiosyncrasies. And, you know, those kind of things end up getting highlighted to a lot of new Muslims. And I I guess uh, when I meet new Muslims, I tend to advise them, like you said, you know, give yourself space, give yourself
1: time, develop your relationship with Allah. But there's also something else, Ustada, and that is that um, heritage Muslims then put a lot of pressure on new Muslims to do things they would never do. So for example, I was living with a family and they said, oh, you, you don't do birthdays anymore. So your children don't do birthdays. So I had an eight and 10 year old who just accepted Islam, no birthdays, no Christmas. And we had no Eid because we had no family. So they had nothing, all right? And then we found out that the the family that had told us this were having birthdays and Christmas. And we're like, what the? Hang on a minute. You've just put us into this really hard monastery, but you're Mm. actually having a life of ease. It's not fair.
0: Mm. But also, it's not the right order of doing things. Do you know what I mean? Like, we have this concept in... Seeking knowledge of tadarruj fil ilm Which means learning things, learning knowledge in stages, Mm. you know So there's certain things that are more important than other things So for example, you know, the fundamentals Things like your relationship with Allah, those kind of things um, They're the most important thing, establishing the prayer Mm -hmm. When we start talking about those kind of cultural things First, like you said, it can be very premature It can be very too much too soon and also it's not giving the person space and time to understand uh which path they'd like to take you know um in that journey so yeah just like for highlighting that um is there anything else that you would looking back say that you've learned that really stands out
1: get on some good courses find out you know, just just keep learning. Just just I went on the IERA course, which was a real blessing. What so was that about the uh, the Islamic Education Research Academy? It was it was basically a one hundred one for new converts. Oh, the and new I, Muslim retreats. It's just brilliant. Wow, yeah. I, if anybody's listening to that, go on the new Muslim retreat. I went twice. I went after I'd been Muslim for about six months, and then two years later, I went. You know what? I w- I want to go back again. Never be afraid of going back to the beginning. Definitely. You know, whether it's the relearning al-Fatiha, just, just have that, you know, put that, try and put that humility in your heart. You know, what is the meaning of allahu ahad? You know, um, who is Allah? How is Allah? What is he and what, you know, and, and what does he want from us? And And always, you know, even if you stay in that your whole life, that's okay.
0: I remember that there, there was a course that we used to run i era in nairo it was called
1: um, We met there. Yeah, I think that's, that's how, how we met. I love that's it. How that's, that's how we, that's met. How we yeah. met and you knew my little girls. I've just realized. Subhanallah. Yeah. I and think you we were actually so met properly so nice. at a wedding.
0: It was one of the sisters from i era and we, we were we, at a, yes. a, a, the wedding. We were sitting at enterprise. the same table. Do you remember? And yes. we just we were just talking and <clears throat> I feel like this is like a continuation of that discussion mm. because We started off certain things there, and ever since I've been thinking, you know, I'd love to ask Lauren more about this or that, you know. So, yeah, so that is how we met. And uh, mm. for people who don't know, um, the New Muslim Retreat is a, I would say, a a long weekend, um, usually in a nice hotel with a nice surrounding, uh, run by the Islamic Education Research Academy, um, where you literally are taken away from your everyday life and you get to meet other new Muslims and people who've been Muslim for a long time, people at different stages. And what do you, what would you say it gives you, that kind of being able to just get away
1: and... Oh, you know, I mean, just to sit and be taught by someone like uh, Hamza Sources and to, to uh, and uh, Abdurrahim Green, people who live in this you know real reality context mm-hmm. but and and make and make it so easy to understand i think because because often classes and lessons they 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 fill they are filled with beautiful Arabic phrases that you're nowhere close to. Right. So so this step so they by step building where, blocks where you are. Yeah. And, and who they, you are and, who you and are, it's yeah. without judgment and it's and it's and it's culturally friendly. You know, often right. we talk about diversity in this country, mm. and that's good. And we talk about being culturally aware, but are we as a community actually culturally sensitive to English, Scottish, Irish Muslims? No, we're really not.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: I, I mean think I mean it's, it's, a you know, it's, a I think it's a blind spot. I think it's a blind
0: spot at the end of the day and it's uh, it's kind of feeling
1: that uh it should be easy for people to just fit in and That just. was one of the, f- the first places that that me and my daughter actually went oh we can be us. You know, we can really? be a version wow, of wow. us. Oh, yeah. this is nice. And it was kind of like getting in a warm bath and going, oh, I feel comfortable and the rest of the time you're bit wearing a hair shirt. I think
0: the only time I've ever felt something similar to that is when I was living in Egypt Ah. and I was constant I was living with with Egyptian families and just with foreigners basically all the time like students from all over the world and I'd been with them for so long and then one day a British sister turned up you know and just being able to to talk British to 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 basically speak normally and somebody who understood and there's just that it, it was an amazing feeling. Um, so, but I think for most of us, like heritage, I like that phrase, by the way, heritage Muslims. Um, we've never experienced that. You know, we we take for granted that we've got a community. Mm-hmm. We've got that kind of, we've got family as well, you know, um, and things like that. And I, I do remember you saying once that, <clears throat> I think you said one of your daughters was saying that um, uh, that she'd, she 'd want to marry into a Muslim family a heritage
1: Muslim family because uh, wh- why why was that but uh, she still my elder still says that because she's like it's too lonely otherwise um, you know, and that's sad that her life experience as a Muslim has been one that we've been lonely, and I think that's something really important because if someone wears the level of um street recognition that people know you by sight but you're still spending most of your time alone i think i think that really says a lot and she wants to have the big family experience for a bit Mm -hmm. that's
0: interesting because um i've got relatives who who have who married um you know english white english converts and um i think they have a similar experience in the sense that uh they have a different expectation from family culturally as asians you know really involved with each other Mm -hmm. in in family and like you said you know um you don't have this concept of when you get to the age of 16 you're off on your own you know yeah Um, we don't have that concept it's like (laughs) it's like you're constantly attached to your parents you know you're supposed to be um and so if you're used to that if you marry, uh, you know, I'm I'm not saying there's anything wrong with marrying outside of your culture, you know, but I can see that
1: there's a different cultural expectation from. But, but, but mm. at the same time, we have this wonderful new culture. I love the way that Allah Ta- Ta'ala has allowed us to be tribes and nations to get to know one another. Like, for example, yeah, yeah. Um, Yorkshire. Pakistani heritage Muslims never existed before in humanity. Brand new uh, village and community of people. Now, arguably, yeah. the, the the young people of that Yorkshire Muslim culture have more in common with a Yorkshire Muslim girl
0: exactly. than with the
1: grandparents who might still hearken to somewhere else. So there mm. are there you know there are interchanges and Venn diagrams of beauty and and collaboration and unity. It's really interesting um, what you said about, you know, your daughter wanting to marry um, from
0: somebody who's of a Muslim background, who's born mm. into a Muslim family. How old have uh, you
1: got a son old enough? <laughs> are you trying to... This could be good. Come on. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk later. about it later. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it later. Um, well, what,
0: what it made me think about was that, uh, you know, like my, my dad, when we used to get proposals, like, you know, when we were teenagers from people back home right from back home as in India right Mm. and I remember my dad said something quite poignant you know he he really said to us um, well you know what you're British you you were brought up here and he had the philosophy that we had more in common Mm. with an English person or you know like a, a convert or somebody who was born and brought up here regardless of their cultural background than we did with our own you know indian family members or you know distant relatives or whatever back in india right so and and that's something that a lot of uh, asian families struggle with that was a, that's
1: a very mature um mm. immig- immigrant attitude to yeah. the home community right. to the original community that that is a mature uh, viewpoint yeah it is and and then, it's a forward thinking and one. that's and why I he hope was able to embrace that. yes
0: Myself and my siblings, considering people from other Mm. backgrounds, and that's some like you said, it's not something that's common. But I'm hoping that it's going to become more common as people realise that. I think it's growing. It's it's ridiculous to expect your child to marry who who is a thousand miles away from where you grew up, Mm. to marry somebody from the exact same village. (laughs) You know, to find somebody compatible from the exact same village that you. That I, you grew up in here in the UK, you know, like the, what are the chances of that, right? So I think, hopefully, as time goes by, uh, the the Asian Muslim community and other, you know, people of other heritages will come to realise that, you know what, we travel thousands of miles away from home and this is home now. Yeah. And our yeah. children actually have yeah. more in common with Invest other in people.
1: Invest in here.
0: Even if they're from other backgrounds but they've grown up in the uk they have a common culture which yeah. is british muslim culture right um and we have more in common and more that kind of would make us more com- make us combat- compatible mm. than um you know back home so hopefully that attitude as it changes and i think i do think is something that's probably a problem for going to be a problem for one generation you know because i can see already my children are they have a different they don't they don't feel those boundaries as much, you know. Mm-hmm. They see Muslims as Muslims, and what I've seen is that the the converts and or the new Muslims in my family, who are our our relatives, they actually really enjoy being part of the culture, you know. Um, they don't feel, or at least they don't say that they feel, um, you know, that they have to. They actually want to be different, almost, you know. They want to be different from their family from before and they've embraced aspects of of uh asian life i guess um uh but at the same time we've tried to give them space to um you know be themselves like mm. you said you know keep you don't have to change a name for example mm. you know those kinds of things in the past you know people Gave new Muslims the impression that they have got to change their name. They've got to. Oh, you know,
1: well, 101 to our dear listeners is (laughs) the minute you meet somebody who is a European Muslim, don't say, and what's your Muslim name? My Muslim name is Lauren. My Muslim name is John. My Muslim name is Pete. Unless the name has a terrible meaning
0: or something, right? Which is the main reason why people, why the Prophet changed anyone's names. It's fine, you know, the Sahaba themselves never changed their names when they became Muslim, right? Unless they had it had a bad meaning. Mm. So, yeah, so I think that probably is also one thing that plays into that thing that you were saying of, you know, new Muslims sometimes being made to feel that they've got to leave everything behind. Because your name is like the most fundamental thing about you, right? can you imagine if, boy if I went to my mum and said
1: my name's Khadija now she'd yeah. just go yeah never gonna happen by the she way your mum
0: you is hilarious she is hilarious <laughs> I have because I've been reading your oh, memoir sure. and I just love the way you ended up deciding to deal with her uh, little um, digs, you know.
1: <laughs> Tell us a bit about your mom. I love, um, may Allah bless my mom, and that's something else I'd say to my 10-year-ago self, is like, just get on with your mom, start now. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't have a good relationship for a lot of my life, and then, you know, by the grace of Allah, Allah taught me through the Quran, you're not being a daughter yet, sorted out, and the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh-huh. what he said about yeah. mothers, I was, it was like... <clears throat> A stab in the heart how how long have i got to sort this out and now by the grace of god we're so so close but she says hilarious things like the other day i'm staying i'm staying with her while i rehearse for my play for a whole month so it's like okay how is it going to be how is it going to be and we got a delivery came to the house she said oh there was a li- delivery for you today i said i was there she said is it a bomb i went oh my god when your mum's an islamophobe <laughs> but you love her anyway she's like yeah, but is it a bomb? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and we laugh about it. And one of the moments that I think really <sighs> clinched it for my mum was when she said something really quite outrageous about, oh, something was going on in central London that, that could have been a, a terror yeah, attack. I remember and, you talking right, about it. Right, and we were know. both really upset. Yeah. I was upset by it, and I said, oh, my God, I'm literally on my way there. And quick as a flash, because my mum is sparky, yeah. she said, oh, I see your friends have started without you. So on the- and I looked at the screen of the television and I just said to myself, sabr, sabr, what would the prophet, peace be upon him, want you to do and be kind? And so I thought, be yourself. Your mum wants her daughter. That's all she wants. So I turned around and said, mum, there's only one thing I can say. She said, what? I said, give me five. That was fast. <laughs> and at that moment, something in her melted. And there was another moment, wow. actually, where, where which when she melted. And, and because I took this time, that time I took advice directly from the Quran. She, for example, uh, English parents have this thing of, no, no, don't do anything for us. I don't need your help. You go and do your own life. And it, it's become a cultural norm, which is really sad. And um, so when I go and do shopping, she's like, right, how much do I owe you? 2 dollars I'm like, really, please, mom, don't. She's like, I'll, if you, I'll pay you back or I'll never get you to do it again. And um, yeah, and this one time I said... I'm not going to take your money. She said, just give me one good reason why not. And I thought, just go to the Koran. It's the answer to everything. And I said, because you gave birth to me in pain and I can never repay you. Oh. And she just went, oh. she said, all
0: right then. Do you know, I don't think parents get to hear that. And I think that's what it was. I don't think she's probably ever heard
1: that from any of her children before. And but that's the way to think about the quran yeah. as 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 really like it gives living you advice and right. the words and mm-hmm. take it from that and that's miraculous when when it actually embeds and and you say something and it's like i want to use this here i hope it's the right it's the right meaning because it's goodness in it and bingo watch what happens
0: in fact sometimes when you're lost for words that is those are the words that mm. you need uh, so mashallah, jazakallah khair for sharing that what do you think it was about your mum that she was making those kinds of jokes? Like, feels like she's trying to provoke you, <laughs> or <laughs>
1: or trying to turn you back. Would you say? You know, she said one day she. I, I said, Mum, why? She said, Oh, will you stop being pious? you know and I'm like I can't she's a catholic right no she's she's you know she sometimes says I don't believe in God and sometimes she does and mm-hmm. but when I stay with her after a few days she starts saying thanks be to God and the other oh. day I was just screwing in a light bulb for her and she said you know what Sarah when I look at you and I'm like I think and I'm like wait for it she said when I look at you I think thank you God and I'm like oh that's brilliant you know, she literally says, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, in English, because I'm doing something good for her. So so these little things are really important. But is she provoking me? She's, she once said to me, you know what, I just missed I just missed my mate, the heavy drinking, smoking, swearing Sarah. And I'm like, wow, she's not coming back. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> mum. So I tried to have kind of, you know, a little bit of fun with her within, within you know. Yeah, not those parameters.
0: Yeah, I, I think um the thing is you you're experiencing that in a very like stark way. Yeah. But that is something that young people people experience with their parents, isn't it? Like even like not being from a, from a not changing, you know, your your religion or you know, your 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 theology just growing up. You become different and your parents kind of have to accept certain things, you know.
1: That's very interesting. Don't we always die a little bit as parents when our kids change? Yeah, absolutely. There's always a nostalgia for the stage that they've left behind. When they're six, you remember when they used to go, the, 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 yeah. I, I really want it, <laughs> mummy, I really... And they don't say so now, they say, I really would like that or "or get it me. <laughs> and and you always have this... Because they, they every year there's a new child comes into your life. Yeah until they move away from you so so yeah it's I get true. that now
0: because I because uh, when I came back I was in Egypt for a few years without my parents and when I came back I had completely different views on certain mm. things to them and I just remember coming home and my mom was like I was dressed differently mm. as well I, I had different expectations and <clears throat> different boundaries you know in terms of things that we would normally do and so I think it took them time to adjust as well and you know the sort of jokes that your mum's making. My mum would sometimes make jokes, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, our children are teaching us now. You yeah. know, like, she would really, like... Mm. And she, sometimes she would say to me, you know, lighten up about <laughs> Chill this. Chill <out. laughs> right. Chill out. So I, I can see that it is part of that whole child and parent um, definitely my, mm. my
1: daughter alex is teaching me now you know yeah. mashallah you've known her since she was little mashallah, mashallah. and now I, I take it because actually Ilmwise she she does more study than i do and she and she's very thicky i'm not a ficky person i'm a kind of heart and soul sort of i get the, so i want the spirit of it and i you know and i want the the overview of it and she's like well actually the fic on a tuesday is this and on a wednesday is this. and i'm like oh that's interesting Mm-hmm. and she's like for this particular in this in this um you know context right now it's i've read that it's this and she always checks her sources otherwise you know i've said to her don't say i it's this say i believe it's this i'm going to check because mm-hmm. you because we know nothing we haven't done that but she, mashallah that's it's exciting to learn from the young when they have knowledge oh i love it yeah i love May it, it continue too. inshallah mashallah so i've been reading a memoir and uh
0: i would describe it as a Swashbuckling adventure, <laughs> mashallah.
1: Just sort of adamant then. Nobody yeah. will know who he is.
0: <laughs> I mean, like it's it's an emotional. Ro- it was an emotional roller coaster reading it. Uh, there were times when it was hilarious, you know. Like I didn't realize you'd been in the jungle, right? Like I, I haven't. I don't really watch. Uh, I'm a celebrity, uh, but I've seen clips of it and stuff, and I, I and I didn't realize what what made you at that stage of your life agree to
1: doing that so just to describe to your international viewers there is mm. a there is a show where um some really genuinely famous people, some middle ranking known people and some completely unknown people, like who on earth is that and why why are we paying them kind of people? That yeah. was me. Um, get put in dropped into the Australian jungle for a minimum of two weeks, maximum of a month mm-hmm. and they have to do challenges in order to get food and uh yeah, and to win little treats and then at the end somebody gets crowned king or queen of the jungle. So I went into the show. I mean the question really isn't why did you go in? It's why wouldn't that person go in? Because uh, you know I was very much from a thrill-seeking background. Mm. But at that stage in my life, this is two thousand and six. I just I'm a collector of experiences. You know, it's it's like my my life is a tour. I can tell that I could yeah. tell that from the book. It's not so mm. much thrill-seeking now. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Why has that come my way? How can you say I no feel to like something? I like you
0: put yourself.
1: In, you were seeking and also putting yourself
0: into situations in order to have certain experiences.
1: Mm. If
0: That really came
1: across. Mm. And then to watch them and, and then to go, oh, that's interesting. And How do people... So, of course, I'd go. I mean, my main fear going into the jungle was of bungee jumping. I woke my husband up at the time and uh, I said two weeks before I was due to go in, I can't bungee jump. And he said, no, no, no. You should be scared of the spiders and the bugs they're going to get yeah. you to eat and be with. I said, no, they're going to get me to bungee jump. He said, they've never had a bungee jump in the show. I did three. Wow. Three. Terrifying. One was from a helicopter. Um, but I loved that challenge. And, and I loved the fact that you had to do it for other people. So you bungee jumped into, I bungee jumped into the jungle. And that was a real test of metal who are you when it comes to it? And then the other times I had to bungee jump to get meals for people in camp and it's like, okay, I want everybody to eat tonight. And I love that feeling of, are you who you think you are? All right, because I've always been a bit gobby. All right, which means, yap yap yap. Right, I think you should do this and let's all stand together and man the barricades. But when it comes to it, would you do it? And And at those certain points, by the grace of Allah alone, I did it. So so I, so I want to know that I'm that person I guess. I'm sure there's an easier but don't, way. <laughs> don't you think a lot
0: of people on that show try
1: are doing it to get famous? Yeah. Did you want to get famous? No. Is that No. No. But at that point you know you, well, well, as soon as I got in the helicopter you wanted I wanted to meet Jason Donovan. I wanted to meet Jason Donovan. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to be on to be honest. That was it was just a great it was just a great well. adventure because before that <clears> as you know from the book I'd 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 spent a month in the Australian jungle and uh, yeah yeah I mean I had many other adventures too.
0: Sometimes when you're that kind of person, right, who's constantly seeking experiences and adventures, do you not feel that you sometimes have to hold yourself back and say, you know what, there's
1: other areas of my life that are going to suffer because of this. Bismillah. The real question is, should you be thinking like this, Sister Lauren? Yeah, I'm trying to
0: say it in the nicest (laughs) way. Because to be honest, I'm quite an adventure seeker too, right? right. Like, I've <clears throat> I've been away from home since I was 16. Okay. I've been to Jerusalem, yeah. here, there, everywhere, like, without oh, my parents, yeah, without... I was like that. Yeah. And even <clears throat> if it wasn't for my husband, uh, who reigns me in, you know, there are times when I, I'll just... I want to experience... There's something about the world mm. and life and mm. people and like i want to do astronomy and i want to do islamic studies you know Mm -hmm. i want to do calligraphy i want to have an art exhibition i'm that sort of person and sometimes i need that voice that says to me stop (laughs) you know like calm down yeah take it easy right now in front of you there's some things that need attention Mm. what
1: would you say about that i would say pray for me sister (laughs) (laughs) that's what I'd say because I'm like I don't know now I'm doing a play what is that about it's going to be great
0: so there were parts um, in your memoir first of all tell us what is the difference between a memoir and a a, I love autobiographies great question
1: okay so So, uh, start of a ten no conferring difference between autobiography and um, a memoir is number one an autobiography should be by somebody who you know by one name. They're that famous. So who do you know who's famous enough to have one name? Oprah. Oprah. Thank goodness she didn't say Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she. Oprah. Yeah, Oprah, or um, Obama, or uh, you know um, Beckham. So they have one name, and you go, "Oh, there's their autobiography. I just want to know what they ate for breakfast and what they wear. And if there's a story with it, I'm buying it. I, I'm buying in." And also an autobiography is a chronological order of events. I was born, I went here, and I went here. And it's all interesting because they're famous. Now, a memoir is usually a group of thoughts and theories grouped together by theme. Mm-hmm. So, so my memoir was, it's a spiritual adventure story. Yes, there's been a, a, a sort of things happening and things being chased. But what was actually the through line? And how on earth did I wake up in a mosque, as a Muslim, when I when I'd never planned it? Allahu, Allahu Akbar.
0: Allahu Akbar. And th- and that's why I said it was an emotional rollercoaster because there were times when I laughed out loud. Jason Donovan, for example, mm-hmm. and um, some of the other <clears throat> and Imran Khan, like that was crazy. That whole which bit with him with brother Imran? Um, the whole you being on the campaign trail and then. Just crazy things happening. Tell us, tell us
1: about that. Yeah. About Imran Khan. Yeah. By, uh, yeah. So, um, oh gosh, what year? 2012, I think it was, when he was arranging convoys. Do you remember to Waziristan, to protest drone strikes? Right. And then he invited me to to come along, and some a lot of other more, much more important international people to come and, you know, be a voice for with i don't like a voice for people it's so patronizing mm-hmm. a voice with the people of waziristan mm-hmm. to represent their 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 displacement their plight, to the yeah. world and their mm-hmm. plight um but we ended up getting um lost in a, what's known as a red zone and i remember you know a taliban zone basically and we had to turn the lights off in the car and it was midnight and i said to the driver why have you turned the lights off he said if we get seen you're in big trouble so i could give me the phone give me the phone now Imran, brother Imran, astaghfirullah, you've left me alone in the red zone. He said, Sister Lauren, Allah is with you. I said, Allah's with me. You better, you're meant to be with me. You're meant to be. (laughs) He was so calm. (laughs) Oh, dear. And then eventually we, we made it into an army base. Were you there
0: in, the, in your capacity as a journalist?
1: Yeah, yeah both as a journalist as a, and as an activist, because what's happened in Waziristan yeah. is absolute shame on humanity, uh, amongst the many other shames. But we shouldn't forget that three quarters of the people of that region are displaced and that drone attacks now. Um, don't, you don't even have to. Donald Trump's administration don't have to list who's died in them. Now, once upon a time, not long ago, it was as little as two years ago, a drone attack, you had to say, you know, mm-hmm. Sammy, eight, uh, Hamida, 12. You had to list them now. You don't even know. So anyway, so.
0: Well, you've just reminded me that it's unfair of me to say that you're an adventurer and thrill seeker. You've really gone to places and shown a lot of care for real causes, you know, it's a, it's, I don't think you're driven by, merely by this sense of adventure, you know. It's very, If it comes across in your memoir that apart from looking for meaning, I think you're looking to be useful and... Mm. Inshallah.
1: Yeah, would you say that's correct? I'd say, I'd say definitely, I'd say Inshallah to that, you know. I, I can't bear it there is there is an opening that I think children who've had difficult upbringings have and I see it as an opening for empathy so if you have a final time and everything ticks along Mm. um, and you hit 1920 and you 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 know everything's been fine in your family often you will have big internal challenges Um, and I think for kids who have struggled and had issues in their homes when they're children um, they will still have challenges but the opening to care for others is just there. So, so. What one, were the
0: kind of issues that you? Oh, would say? I mean,
1: you know, as soon as growing I went up. to Palestine. Oh, well, growing. growing up. Oh, growing yeah. up um, both, both my parents were alcoholics, and um, you know, my best friend's mum was a drug dealer, and they had a better life than we did because they had toilet paper and we didn't. And um, you know, as my dad said, we're not poor, we're broke. And I said, we are poor, we wash our hair in fairy liquid and we, use, we used to use newspaper as toilet paper. And he said, yeah, and what what newspaper do you use when you go to the, to the bathroom? And I said, it's the Guardian. He said, see, that's a toilet paper of aspiration. <laughs> just, just dad oh was brilliant, you know. I can
0: see where you get your humour
1: from. I mean, <laughs> but can you, like, for people
0: listening and watching, you know, they may not be able to identify with what that means, Being in growing up in a home with alcoholic Mm. parents Mm. and linking that to poverty, like. Can you give us a little bit of a, if you, if you don't mind, can you give us a bit of an insight? Well, I that? mean,
1: I think what's really important to note is that there are more than three million children in the United Kingdom right now today living with one or both alcoholic parents. Just think about that. Millions of homes. What does that mean? It means uh, instability. You don't know the mood of the person when you get home from school. Uh, no, no, no. You know, you, 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 somebody might want to sm- slap you, smack you, scream at you, or have spent all the money on on alcohol. And there's nothing for dinner. Tough. Go to bed. There's no lights. We had no lights. It's scary. In, in the house. And it's it a scary, scary environment. It's a scary, genuinely because scary environment. Because it's so
0: Random. unpredictable. Mm.
1: There's no, there's no stability. Like in terms and of and with and with alcohol, proven the number one indicator of domestic violence is what alcohol. So when a parent, sorry, because I'm really ignorant about this topic, like
0: a parent who's an alcoholic, when they come out of that
1: drunkenness, do they come out of that drunkenness? alcoholism Are there times is from life. So they're either...
0: Like when they sober up and they they realise what's
1: been going on in the house. But then they're hugely stressed because bills have got out of control and the place is a mess and they've oh got God. to deal with that. So so it's a so constant... So they drink more? So they drink more. It's like, oh, I can't do this. To cover the Let's pain, the to cover difficulty the pain. And mm.
0: Wow. So growing up with that, does that make you want to stay away from home?
1: Um... You know, like I said, how do you uh, make your peace
0: with that? How do you right.
1: make? Oh, how do you make peace with that? You know, there's a comedian called uh, Billy Connolly, and um, I remember seeing him interviewed uh, by Michael Parkinson. Sorry if you're an international audience, but this is very Anglo centric. It's the okay, moment. you can Google it. Look, look Google them up. It, yeah, look them up. <laughs> and I remember, And he anyway, he yeah. he he said that he admitted that uh, not admitted, but he said that he'd had sexual abuse as a young boy and the interviewer said oh how terrible he said no it's all right because as soon as I left home I decided the rest of my life was going to be amazing and it's like and it's that thing of well, like who once you get out if if i if God gives you that characteristic if Allah gives you the characteristics now you're responsible and it's like a relief
0: but does there come a time when then your parents now that you're older now that they're Probably different people.
1: Uh, yeah, they, what, the, th- the 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 later challenge is to come to a place of forgiveness. Do they say sorry? No, I have I have to, you know, forgive them. They don't have to say sorry. They, they may never say sorry. They have. Well, what I'm trying to get to at is, do they
0: feel like you know, as a parent, you mm. feel guilty about loads of things, right? even if you're not mm.
1: an alcoholic
0: right mm. like, everything you, you feel guilty about like oh I didn't do this the best yeah. for my children yeah. I didn't do that yeah. I could have done that better if only this whatever. I thought it was
1: just me Alhamdulillah. right
0: but imagine like if you're an alcoholic and at some point you're going to be sober and you're going to look back and think oh my god my, I did my, that and my, I did this
1: you know something imagine you, if something is so big you can never deal with it the question is, what is the mercy of the child on that parent? My so mum's eighty-one now. Do I really want to make her say sorry for what she had to cope with, mm. which she has wiped out? She's she's literally so that gone.
0: conversation never.
1: I you you go through. through it, I tried for twenty years and just made her miserable, and now it's like she says, and dinner was ready at seven every night, and it was like, and I'm like, yeah, mum, you're the best, you are oh. the best mum ever. I can see, I can see hundred percent why
0: it. you'd do that. I can see a hundred percent because wouldn't we, you know, want our children when they grow up to forget about mm. the things that we did that were probably things that we are quite ashamed of, or you know, we j- we don't want to mention them because we don't want that memory to be there. We kind of wish that, or hope that you know kids being the
1: resilient kids that they are would just they will and and mm. the other thing is that then what's the other side is to be this person who's eaten up with if only you'd have done this this would have happened and islam really helped me with that by the grace of allah because you don't have if it was meant to happen and you don't have that sense of
0: resentment
1: yeah and there can't be a but there's only what are you doing now you know
0: that's beautiful i mean i was asking you simply like just thinking about it as a parent like you know and i guess our generation like we are a bit more like that you know willing
1: to apologize
0: and i don't know i do find young people very
1: unforgiving now and and i think that's that's really yeah that's a big topic we'll come back to that one inshallah so what made you cry what made you laugh okay so
0: the laughing was the jason donovan bit and um just the just the craziness of the the types of the people who you've met and Mm. the situations that you found yourself in the moments that really touched me were your moments with your father on his um deathbed Mm -hmm. like that chapter that whole chapter was beautiful what what i love about your memoir is there's this action there's craziness there's you know like almost chaos (laughs) and then there's calm Mm. and in the middle of all of that there's you and it it feels very clear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken you all around the world mm. <laughs> to bring you to him. And that's how that's how I read your memoir. Mm. Uh but that moment with you and your father, I felt like it was like a culmination of
1: that was a gift i have to say that was one of the uh, allah has given so many great gifts and and you can't count them just the fact i'm breathing here today and healthy and uh, no major diseases uh, you know thank you allah thank you shukr allah um is a is a miracle in many ways but when my dad and i hadn't spoken for two years before that exactly so in that context that 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 meeting that and to be and to get and to get beautiful. a call and say come and see him and say goodbye oh, on his deathbed and um you know my my ex-husband saying saying beautifully may Allah bless him for this you're only there for one reason you're only there for one reason don't make it about the past don't don't make it a, you know don't make it like oh it's lovely to see you one reason to just that's it Allah's given you this yeah. it's a gift and and to sit and hold my dad's hand and you know, to recite al-Fatiha and for him to say that's so beautiful and you're full of light and for him oh. to feel that. You know, an Irish, you know, a man of Irish Catholic descent who'd, who, who'd expressed, you know, real suspicion and, and nervousness about what he thought Islam was. You know, this set of rules, this domination of women, all of these ideas. And to when it came down to it, for me to hold his hand and recite Surah al-Fatiha and just say, how many gods are there, dad? And he looked at me and he said, oh, come on, there's only, there's no God but God. <laughs> Subhanallah. And then what about the prophets, you know, Solomon and Adam, they were all prophets. And Jesus said, listen, kid, Jesus was a prophet. We know that. He's not God. <laughs> and well, you say, thank you, Allah. Al-shallah. And then to have a dream of, after he died of him being bathed by three imams in a big palace was such a gift and um, and alhamdulillah and just to be there and to give him that love and and to really I uh, you know, in my culture, in the in the English heritage culture, we don't talk about death. The bit the big unknown, the big unspoken, you know, we, we talk about, oh we'll have a big wake afterwards and we'll have a big party and we'll all drink to your mate, we'll drink to your memory, we'll get drunk and remember you. It's like, what even is that? And then, you know, the moment of death being, oh let's play music so you can remember me what? No. I said to my dad, and it was the hardest thing I've ever had to say, I'm here because I love you and I'm here because you're leaving. He said, am I? I said, yeah. Let's talk about God. That's what we should be doing, inshallah. That's what Allah gave me the right to do, the chance to do. And it was beautiful.
0: That was really moving. Another part of um, the memoir that was moving was that moment when you were in a house in Gaza, um, when you realised all the suffering and difficulty that this family had been through and was going through and you were praying and you just it, you were just overwhelmed by this mm. by the realization that it was possible for human beings to be so kind and be so giving whilst they were
1: in such a state of suffering just describe that to us. I just had these moments time and time again in both the West Bank and Gaza, where for example, I, I was by the grace of Allah was besieged in Gaza just for a month, but it was enough of a taste when, when suddenly you find yourself somewhere in the world and both of the exits into other territories say your, your passport is worthless now. you might as well throw it away and you haven't seen your kids for six, your kids for six weeks and you think that's it. and to have that experience and then people asking in their poverty, in their pain. With their, you know, there was a lady I, I met, uh, may Allah bless her, her name escapes me for now, but she had such gnaw in her face, she hadn't seen her son for three years. She went out to a funeral when he was six years old and soldiers wouldn't let her go home to the West Bank. They drove her and threw her into Gaza Strip and she was crying for me who I hadn't seen my kids for six weeks and praying for, and I thought, wow, I said, what about you? She said, no, no, it's okay, it's with Allah, but you, are you okay? Look, where does that come from? Where does that, what is the source of that compassion? And when I was crying, and and what you're talking about is Bayat Hanum, which got mm, destroyed, and this family is living in basically a garage, and the children are traumatized, and they've got white phosphorus on them, and I'm crying, and she's like, are you okay? It's like, part of me wanted to scream, will you stop being nice? You know, what is wrong with you? And in one house, I did actually burst out. Why are you fasting? What is wrong with you people? What is wrong with you? Why are you so compassionate? Why are you, literally, you've lost your minds. And the mother said, who, um, I said, why are you fasting? She said, I fast in Ramadan to remember the poor. She had no furniture. She had no money. She had uh, you know, no heating. But she was fasting because her neighbor was poorer than her. That's love. And she gave me the the food from her kids because I was a visitor. I'm like, wow, if this is the way life can be, if this is the love that can exist in this realm between human beings, what is the source? SubhanAllah.
0: SubhanAllah. Which brings me to the end of your memoir, where I think that was the other part that really touched me. It was when you said, it was like, I don't know if I'm characterising this right, You you let me know. I felt like in parts of the memoir you were talking to your people, mm. okay. And what I, what I mean by your people um, is your nation, your you know all of like the Prophet ﷺ. He had a tribe. He had he was sent to initially he was sent to a particular nation mm. and to his own family, to his own people, right? The Arabs and all the Quraysh, and then the Arabs, and then obviously his message was wider than that. But there is always this thing, um, you know, in the Qur'an that the messengers were sent to their people, right? And I felt in the last line in your book, one of the last lines where you said that your message to people, to the reader is, you know, just take some time to yourself. Just be peaceful. Think about God. Think about this world and and Mm. the intelligence behind Mm. all of this. And you said, and just read the Qur'an with your heart open just once I just found that so touching and I just felt like she's speaking to her nation to her people I don't know if I've characterized that right but what would you say about that
1: I would say that what is the point of a book if if it's you know a memoir if it and you know something and you don't pass it on to people there was nothing else of important at all in that book except go and read the Quran. That was the only line that ma- that matters in the whole book. You can you can burn the rest of it, throw it away, I don't care. And I
0: felt like everything was leading up to that moment.
1: Because you have to build trust.
0: And, right. I, and I think one of the things that... Human, hu- that that humanising ca- aspect yeah. as well, understanding where is this person coming from. Because it's so easy, I think, for people to caricature you, you know, like non-Muslims, I mean, like oh, Islamophobes, mm. To caricature you and be like oh yeah she's the you know just like they did with Yvonne Ridley right they say they call it what do they say Stockholm syndrome right and yeah. <laughs> they say so it's very easy to kind of treat uh especially people from well, you know treat English Islam heri- as
1: a mental illness right the, right like like happening but to also the traitors and traitors treat people you know? yeah. who
0: embrace Islam from an English background English heritage background as traitors right But what you've done in the book, it feels like saying, no, no, let me tell you what really happened. Mm. So when you wrote it, did you have a particular person or people in mind that you were hoping would read it?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. It it would have been, uh, I was speaking to myself at 25. Yep, I was speaking to that, that girl with a little bit of fame or a little bit of money who's in the West End with a little bit of wrong attention but knows that God is there, that knows, knows in every fiber. As most people do, they have, they have a sense that maybe it takes the loss of someone or, or something really painful to happen or something really beautiful to happen. You know, a, a certain rose that makes you cry. Like, why am I crying? It's a flower. Because, because it's, it's that connection or a view mm-hmm. in a mountain, mm-hmm. something, looking at the sea and feeling how small you are, right? We all are blessed with those moments. And what do you do with that?
0: Yeah, do you allow it to just be don't passing, let it pass by. So I I was speaking, I was speaking to her yeah.
1: I was yeah. I was saying, you know what? Yeah, you know, stop now, look around for that thing. Wow, mashallah. That's beautiful. That just reminded me about this interview that I did today. You know the first question that I was asked by a blogger today, mm. who's meant to be really right on, yeah, I want to cover the story of your show was are you Sunni or Shia? I said I don't do that. I don't answer questions like that. I'm not. I'm not into that sectarianism. And he said, "Yeah, but are you Sunni or Shia?" And I'm like, "That's really weird that you that you want to start an interview with that. Why is that the first question from a non-Muslim? Why did he get matter? that
0: from reading your memoir? No, I don't he, think he'd he read he my memoir. Just came out of the blue.
1: Just first question. Trying to provoke you. Trying to provoke. Trying yeah. to get a headline. I said I'm Muslim. La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. Well done. He says you're non-denominational. I said maybe it's between me and God.
0: What's it to you anyway? What's it to you?
1: And then he said, and then he did the classic saying. And by the way, uh, I hear that, that um, hijab is not in Quran. I said, wow, I love it. I love it when non-Muslims know more about the Deen than I do. I must be an idiot, mate. Well, that you tell me. me you're reading. I was
0: invited on LBC, right,
1: Unbelievable,
0: by right? this lady uh, journalist when the whole uh, Boris niqab thing yeah. was going on, right, letterbox thing, and uh, she she in- introduced me as and Fatima Barkat, you know Fatima Barkatullah, a uh, Muslim scholar, right, and she goes, well, Fatima, the the niqab isn't in the Quran at all, anyway, right, and I was like, uh, I thought you'd invited me to tell you what was in yeah. the Quran
1: right you yeah. know and uh, you, the, you could have said and oh yeah just tell me which which version of the you know of of, of the translation have you read have you read exactly no no where did you get that information we need to do, do that i do
0: think she got a bit embarrassed in the middle because she mm. said well you are the scholar right? i mean i should be referring defer to you a right?
1: bit defer but a bit
0: I, I realized that it was quite you know that that happens to us all the time to be honest yeah. you know you, you get invited on for a one little issue not interested in you as a person really uh to to be told what islam says mm, about something that's it and, and you're y- like
1: oh, well and don't thanks. you think don't you think we th- 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 this is a brilliant thing ustada is to say um which sources are you taking that from please yeah. And I and I think it's right to bounce it back. I, you especially have rights to do that. I Maybe mean, not so much, but definitely. Yeah. Can you just tell me which sources you're taking that from? Oh, it mm. says in the Daily Mail. Yeah. Well, that's funny. The Daily Mail isn't isn't a, you know an yeah. ilm institution as far as I know.
0: Because they've literally
1: <laughs> heard, <laughs> they get a degree heard, of heard it scholarship from somewhere. From the Daily Mail.
0: That, that in the kind of echo chamber of the. Yeah of the the media world, it yeah. just keeps being regurgitated. The same lines keep getting regurgitated. And, the,
1: you know, and the, the simplest thing that, that I would say is, well, well, this was never actually a a massive discussion point until the co- colonials from France and Britain were in North Africa and went into India and wanted to take the hijab from the women to, to discourage it. Right. And that and what you're saying is basically every woman since the time of the Prophet until now millions and millions and millions of Muslims were completely wrong and we've just discovered the religion, truth of it. They're right. silly people.
0: And the other thing is, it's whether life. it's in the Quran or not, what's it to you? Like, do you believe in the Quran? You know? mm, will, that will I like Will it being in the Quran really yeah. make a difference? As if yeah. it will make a difference, you know? That's right. And it's quite hilarious oh, yeah, that like they do that. that. Yeah. Like, well, it's not in the Quran. Okay, yeah. well, what if oh. it was? Well, the Quran is—you know—what would you oh, say, that's like, brilliant. as if it oh. being in the Quran would make a difference to your uh, accepting uh, ex- acceptance of it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Um, uh, I don't know what to call it—musplaining or yeah, musplaining. <laughs> I like that. Uh. Which brings us to the topic of Islamophobia. Um, before that, before that, I want to talk to you about. Uh, something that when I put the word out, you know, I'm going to be speaking to Lauren Booth. Uh, as you can imagine, some people they sent me some messages. You know, oh, ask her about this, ask her about that. Go on then. Go and on so then. I'm going to ask yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Come on, come on. And it's up to you. Okay. How you want Bismillah, to answer, right? Bismillah. So, do you still get annoyed when people call you <laughs> when people introduce you as Tony Blair's okay. sister-in-law?
1: Um, I, it, it's a yeah. Okay, so the, the, I, I see it now as an ego check. It's just an ego check. Mm. It's, like, it's like, who are Because I remember you, earlier you, you any, did used to say, oh, uh, yeah, do I, I mean, have to be introduced my, like my, that? My irritating thing is that it's a bit irrelevant. It's like Tony Blair's no longer in power and he's no longer a world figure. He, ha, he mm. has been a world figure. And I, I'm si- sister, half-sister to his wife, to somebody who used to be in power. So don't don't get me on don't speak to me that's uh, if that's it's a total irrelevance to to either you've got the important things to say knowledge to share and the skills to share in which case ask me about those and introduce the skills or don't have that person present so i think in that way but from the muslim community i'm a bit i'm more forgiving and and and, and more embarrassed on the one hand don't you guys know me now don't don't we love each other am i not you know even if you just say Lauren Booth the sister from down the road i, I don't think you it. you get
0: you get introduced like that now right do you,
1: do you? everywhere okay. all the time but i will i <laughs> i make sure that i can forgive it because it's like wow look one of our world leaders a family member and can it's you understand of a, simp- it's where a, that it's came a simple it's it's simple it's a simple thing and it's the house of firaun and and it's it's <laughs> something that that people love and if it can can raise their iman you know a little bit then that then that's good yeah
0: i think it's also you know like muslims they're always looking for symbolic uh things that symbolize allah's power okay mm-hmm. like, Bear with me, okay. <laughs> you embracing Islam, I think, and I can just empathize because obviously I heard it on the, you know, like just from people when at the GPU and all that. I think what it symbolized for a lot of Muslims, whether you wanted it to symbolize that or not, was that this person who had become a, you know, a symbol of kind of. Islamophobia or attacking Muslim countries and everything that was kind of hurting Muslims, right? At the time, Um, somebody from his own family and his own, you know, relatives had seen Mm -hmm. the truth of Islam. Mm -hmm. So I think there was just something amazingly powerful in that. And I can completely understand (laughs) why it would be so irritating Mm -hmm. to constantly be introduced with somebody else's name in your profile right but at the same time i hope you can appreciate that muslims are always looking for symbols they're always looking for the signs of allah mm-hmm. you know the, the the plan of allah right mm-hmm. um and i think that's
1: probably where that came from and then you know i don't mind any of that what what does concern me is when we get get so kind of concerned with ce- with this minor celebrity that just being a sister in Islam is lesser than that, than being related to, uh, you know, someone who, you know, really has ordered the mass, you know, been part of a movement of countries which murdered on mass Muslims. I mean, that that really galls me, you know, when I when I'm in, in places abroad and someone will come and go, oh, do you know Tony Blair? What's he's like? Oh, well, actually, yeah, he's a he's a, a murderer what what well yeah iraq afghanistan um you know please uh, don't thought it was
0: hilarious i read in a um newspaper article uh some somebody asked you about uh, tony blen you said well we were on two different buses
1: and his was going to tel aviv, <laughs> aviv. <laughs> that's yeah. so loriferous
0: his was heading to tel aviv <laughs> so um Another question people ask me. Well, this is a question that I wanted to ask you. Is, so, has your sister read your memoir? Do you think yes, that,
1: yeah, with her lawyers? Of course, she oh, has. With ge- her yes. First thing she said is, "I will get my lawyers look through it." And I was like, "Let's la, has exposed." No, but you were very careful,
0: mashallah. I
1: was. It's not their story, of course. You know, in the clearest way, it's it's not a celebrity story. But I'm sure you
0: wanted. I don't know. I get the feeling. Like if I was to write a memoir, I would want my brothers and sisters to read it. There would be secret messages in there for them.
1: You know what? I, I just wanted them to feel loved. That's mm. it. My my duty in, in that book was to give as much but love as But also, do you think possible.
0: you wanted them to read that chapter about your father? I, I, f- I feel like uh, so that's I, something that would have been nice for them as well, I guess. And In the I, sense that there was peace. There was...
1: No, because because they, 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 you know, Cherie was there when my dad died and, and that was a beautiful thing because he loved her very much and she mm-hmm. got to share that with him. So that was her moment. This was not, not mm-hmm. her moment. So I, I didn't, in fact, I debated whether to put it in at all so people weren't hurt by it. Like, what is this weird moment that that was had? You know what I mean. But okay, yeah. it was in my life, and it was something beautiful, so I put it no, in. No, you have every right to. Talk but about but it, with yes. the but with the Blairs when I was young, I just wanted to remember how lovely they'd been to that sixteen-year-old geeky girl from the bad, bad home, and yeah. uh, who they and, and had given me, you know, free reign in their fridge, which was like hallelujah, mm. posh yogurt. I've never seen yeah. before.
0: So, yeah, so, so she's read it in that capacity. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and nothing was wrong, so there you go. Now you know. But, you know, one of, the, one of the big things about doing a memoir was how can I do this without backbiting? Because, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, you said that in the right? intro when you that were was giving like, an ooh. intro to your memoir. You know, go, went, through went it, go through it, go through
1: it, go through it, go through it, and put love in, and then still be true to the story. That
0: is, like, something that people don't do anymore, right? We like, do. We do as Muslims. We're Muslims, inshallah, you know, that's what we should be doing. But I mean, when somebody writes an autobiography or a, you know, a memoir, it is about dishing the dirt on, you know, all the big names that they've come across in life. And and I think that was beautiful about the memoir, you know, mm. because it's, it, it, it is an offering to Allah, mm. I feel, yeah? Mm. And when you're offering something to Allah, the reason why I say it's an offering to Allah was... It was such a powerful piece of da'wah as well, right? Inshallah. <clears throat> Inshallah. Inshallah. And I think we do need to start thinking about more creative ways of doing da'wah, right? And Which is what you're doing, mashaAllah.
1: You know, Are we going to speak about my play?
0: We will. Uh, using art, using nasheeds, right? Mm. Using poetry, using... And I, I really believe in, in that. And, you know, there's a severe lack of funding for that kind of thing. Yes. But, you know, I feel like your book... Was an offering to Allah, as a piece of da'wah as well as, you know, um, your story, and so in a way, it had to be free from all of that Mm. that backbiting and Mm. yeah,
1: because anything Allah accepts the pure. My mum, when she read it, said, "I hate it, and it's upset me." And I thought, "Oh my gosh, burn the lot!" Oh, and I and I was thought, "Oh." I've I've done all of this, and I've made my mum unhappy, and I prayed so hard. I said, oh, Allah, what why? am I going to do? Because if my mum's dissatisfied with me because of the but book... why didn't she like it? Because she didn't want to be reminded of of some of the moments in, right. in the childhood. Childhood, yeah. It wasn't anything specific necessarily written yeah, about yeah. her. It was just like, I don't want to live in that moment. And then one day, I went round, and she said, Hello, darling, how are you? And she hadn't spoken to me for about a month. And it was like everything was normal. And I thought, oh, maybe she's lost her memory. <laughs> and then, because and mums can read your mind. So I was sitting there going, oh, thank you, Allah, thank you, Allah. Not for losing her memory, but, you know, she doesn't mind. She doesn't, she's forgotten about it. and Maybe that's okay. And so I'm speaking to Allah. And then she looked at me and she said, I haven't forgotten. I remember it all, but I love you anyway. And it's okay. Oh. And I was like, oh, Allah is amazing, you know. And and so, she yeah, come I'm to terms with her. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's not even hurt by it, so that's really good.
0: Okay, somebody asked me this, okay, so I'm going to ask you. um, Obviously, like, you might not know this directly, but you might have an idea. Do you think Mr Blair
1: regrets what he did? I think that people who are in that position self-justify. One of the things you learn as an actor i trained as an actor by the way is that nobody sets out to do to go, nobody wakes up one morning and goes i really want to be a horrible person and i hope i bomb loads of people and and destroy you know nations so that would be really great it's a drip drip of decisions which you self justify and it's called mission creep and so i i believe that that he started off with okay i i you know we we buy into this uh, intelligence and then it became well i'm not really sure about that you sure big guys big guys big guys are sure big guys are sure yeah guys in the military stuff yeah big guys are sure okay oh no i'm here now yeah it's definitely the right thing because i can't live with it otherwise and i think that's that's my humanity my understanding of humanity is that's what happens but wallahu well lahu alam. so uh, when it
0: comes to islam in europe you know i, I like listening to what kind of podcast do you like listening to, by the way?
1: Um, so I really like uh, Sheikh Yasser Khaldi. I love anything by the Yakin Institute awesomeness I know. Uh, Sheikh um, Suleiman uh, from the States uh, a lot of Zaytuna stuff is really good as well so a real mixed bag yeah, mixed. and Ed yeah, Miliband as well for, for the politics <laughs> yeah. and, and how to be uh, cheerful and looking Reasons on, on the cheerful. upside yeah. and bringing people together who've got answers so I like, I like answer orientated materials
0: wow so that's really positive stuff I also like to listen to the dark side of things as well Uh, I I don't know why I I think some of it is quite intellectually stimulating but also it's kind of interesting to see what people you know are thinking and what the people who are seen as intellectuals you know what they're thinking and and one of the things that I've noticed people on the so-called intellectual dark web talk about a lot is Islam in Europe right Mm. and they, you can just get this sense that they feel, uh, just as Nietzsche said, you know, that atheism and people moving away from Christianity would be like pulling the rug from under the European civilization. And yet, right? they
1: and yet they forced it. And yet they've made it happen and encouraged oh, yeah. it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is weird. They
0: don't want to let it go. You see, when you when you listen to their conversations, it's almost like. No, 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 we like atheism or we like, although there is a movement now of people who are more kind of like, let's bring back our Christian heritage without fully believing in it, you know, types, right? Uh, but there is this idea that, you know what, we might have made a big mistake, mm, right? Because because um, without God, mm. there's a void a that on. human beings mm. have a need to fill and guess what they fear is filling that void
1: mm. is it jelly tots
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they are petrified even though they put put on like
1: a you know like a hard I, exterior. you know what's really important to say here ustada mm. is this i know muslims that I have ever met personally, okay, want to see the decline of Christianity in Christian lands, mm-hmm. Beca- because be- because the people who believe are believers, and they're being guided by a lot of goodness in that book in their book, and to to take that to have that to see the churches empty, it actually hurts us.
0: Yeah, we'd, we I would rather like- people had God in their life yes.
1: than not have God in their life.
0: But what these people are talking about is they're doing the math, right, in terms of Muslim population growth and you know they're saying things like, well, look, even if immigration was to end, right? No, zero the immigration now, right, from now onwards. Um, the fact that Muslims have larger families uh, than the average population um, means that Within 50 years or so, you know, Muslims are going to be a much more significant uh, chunk of the European population. And they, they, what they're trying to say is, what that they fear, is that that means that the entire face of Europe is going to change.
1: Do you really want to open this box? Because I've got a lot of thoughts on this. Please. So, uh, which is why there are multiple ways in which Muslims are being made unwelcome in Europe. Let's just stay in Britain for a bit. So let's look at uh, various curriculums, whether it is sex education, or whether it is to do with behavior in schools, whether it is to do with the, uh, you know, the laissez-faire attitude towards, oh, it's just drink and drugs, don't worry about it. And if you raise it, you know, you're, you're an extremist. These extremist groups of, of parents want to speak to the teachers and have a say over their child's education oh a bunch of extremists and then it's not enough that your children are uncomfortable in mainstream education and you can't raise it because there's many people who have issues with their particular school or with one thing said to be my daughter or my son you know but you get to raise it we don't without being seen as bullies, as, as impacting negatively, as, as being phobic in some way about whatever the issue is. And that that takes the voice of the parents away. So number one, so kids in state school, problematic for people of faith. Number two, I know, let's look at homeschooling. Mm, that could be a hotbed of extremism. No one's ever mm-hmm. found any extremism so far, but could be all right so we need to put some checks and balances and what they're going to do with homeschooling is make sure let's have the state curriculum in the homes or you can't homeschool so to me uh, what i see very clearly on many fronts is making a hostile environment for muslims in europe whether it is you can't wear hijab uh, in, in state buildings in France or whether it is an approach to education and eventually, and Allah knows best, our hijab uh, and our niqab in the public space is constantly debated. Are they allowed? It should be allowed. Are you still allowed to wear that, by the way? You know what I mean? And that, that gradual drip dip until people... Pressure. You know, our pressure until, mm. until they're ready to ban it. Um, and making a hostile environment so we just leave by ourselves. Now, that's one tactic. Now, here's the other tactic mm. for the numeracy gamers. All right. So Muslims are going to be, by birth, the largest population in twenty sixty. Let's say in Europe. What kind of Muslims, of Muslims will they be? Right. How do we make them into the drinking, dancing, going to lap dancing, uh, don't care about their faith kind of Muslims that we will that 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 the that that a toxic minority of racists want see as acceptable. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that toxicity goes to the highest levels, including Boris Johnson.
0: But I don't think it's going to work, uh,
1: you know, because... Well, actually, I'm sorry, Ustada, yeah. I don't mean to talk over you, but hang on, before you, before you say that, I want to ask you yeah. this. How many Muslim families do you know who have a plan B? Let's go to Turkey, talking <laughs> talking about going to Qatar. What, what, are you from Malaysia? Should we go back to Malaysia? How many going back conversations? How many getting out conversations? How many second home conversations? How many can we afford to, to, to move abroad conversations have you had directly in your circle before we just say it's not working?
0: It's difficult to say. <clears throat> I feel like I have heard those conversations, yeah? I've probably thought about those things myself, right? However, um, perhaps I feel that it's... I think one of the things that gives me uh, hope and strength is knowing about these kind of characters in the Qur'an. You know, my my father-in-law used to say, when you open up the Qur'an, it's like you're reading the newspaper. (laughs) Hmm. And he didn't mean that in a disrespectful way. What he meant was... All the good, the bad, and the ugly characters of the world that keep you know history keeps repeating itself, right? That you read about in the newspapers, right? They're there in the Quran, you know, Mm. the Abu Jahals, the Abu Lahabs, the 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 guy who knew that Islam was the truth but he still didn't want it for for economic reasons, the person who has a hatred towards people who are you know like uh, of another race, the people or another culture, uh, the people who worship. Status, the people, you know, so every character, every kind of uh, type of person is there And I feel like a lot of the things, the, the types of attacks that we get Are things that Allah tells us, you know, that, that the Prophet Sallallahu got right? He was called a liar, he was called a majnun You know, you said about it, Islam, uh, Islam being a mental illness, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Prophet Sallallahu was literally called a majnun A poet, he was called, right? So, oh yeah, this Islam it's brainwashing. It sounds good but it's, right? So all of that stuff and what Boris Johnson just did, you know, uh, mocking Allah talks about that in Surah Mutafifin. He says, when the Muslims would walk past, they would make faces, funny faces mocking them, right? <laughs> Subhanallah, right? So all of that is in the Quran. And so the thing that kind of makes me feel that it's not going to work is that The way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has designed the deen, right? The way he's designed it is to preserve certain things. And when people are not on the deen, then those things are not as preserved in that civilization, right? So I don't know if you've heard of the five uh, underlying uh, maqasid of the sharia, which are the five underlying uh, what you could call the, the intents and purposes of the sharia, right? uh that scholars have derived. And those five things are preservation of religion. So the way that Islam is designed, it preserves, it's self-preserving, right? And we see that in the fact that we don't take it lightly when people take the out of our messenger, right? Mm-hmm. We don't take it lightly that somebody tells us what's in the Quran, right? There's certain aspects of the deen that preserve it, self-preserving. And then preservation of life. So uh you know the islamic um injunctions they they are a deterrent right so things like you know the the islamic laws they are a deterrent to certain crimes right that that's not the case in places where those deterrents don't exist preservation of intellect by you know things like alcohol not being allowed right so the person's intellect the aql is preserved preservation of lineage so by prohibiting uh you know relations outside of marriage mm. people know who their father is people who kn- know what their family is and that mm. creates a strong society and lastly preservation of wealth so this idea that the rich keep getting richer and exploit the poor you know islam doesn't want that mm. and it helps the money to spread and and be spread amongst people so i mean i've just like really given a basic outline but the way Islam is designed is preserving when Muslims are applying it, right? And so that's why I don't feel very worried about, you know, um, the types of attacks that we're seeing, right? I feel like um, we are a vibrant community. I feel proud of the Muslim community. You know, whenever I see young people, and, that, and that's the thing, we are a young community. You know, the majority of Muslims um, or the majority of young people Especially in a generation or two are going to be muslims um and and we're seeing we see talent we see you know people of uh, just with a drive with passion you know passionate about their deen, and yet being able to live in in a modern society and so I think all of that this is my little <laughs> my little explanation you know all of that gives me a lot of hope, perhaps I'm overly optimistic, but I think as a Muslim you should be. You know, you should be looking for the positives and the positive signs that are around the, us. No, we
1: have a, we have a great generation coming through. That's absolutely correct. I, I do see great signs for people who are compassionate to others and passionate about their dean. Who, who straddle the two worlds with comfort uh, on the one hand the the, the the parental way of life and expectations but the expectations of society right. and are confident enough to say we, we we live we're expected to live within the laws of this society which is right but we want the laws to represent and protect our rights too mm. and that that is a positive way forward so uh, yeah
0: so what I wanted to ask you about that issue was how do we make it? the process smooth and easy and positive because there are people with genuine fears right i wrote an article in the times and um a lady contacted me she wrote a long letter right and she said and and you know it was an old lady an older lady and she said to me um you know uh, i've read your article and i think you know it's all very well you know that you've that people like you live in this country and uh but you know can you empathize with me? And she was giving me this image of how it is for her, right? She said, I've seen my neighborhood change beyond recognition. Uh, People around me don't speak my language. Um, I feel like my whole culture and, and my country, the things that were comforting and normal for me are going, right? And I wrote a very, I tried to write a very compassionate uh, message back to her. And I said to her, "Look, you know, I I actually really empathise with what you're saying because, do you know what, Lauren? I can actually see that perspective. Mm. You know, I know that we like to dismiss people as being bigots and no,
1: because that could have been my grandmother. Exactly. She she lived right? in Wembley. What would how, how would she have a nice experience as an elderly white woman right now? Exactly. Or would she right. be pushed and shoved and ignored? You know, we. It's-
0: See, sometimes we don't, uh, we're not, we're not uh, conscious of how other people, how it is for them. You know, how how are they experiencing what we think is normal, right? Um, And I, I don't think as Muslims we're meant to be a nation who are just worried about rights. You know, we're supposed to be responsible. We're supposed to care. You know, we're supposed Mm. to care about how our neighbours are experiencing us. Mm. It's not about, well, you colonialized our lands. And, you I know, think that's I, really interesting. I hear that kind mm. of talk. Mm. and uh, I mm.
1: Mm. Sorry, Stada, I was just thinking about the, the, the prophet, peace be upon him. Um, of course, the lady who used to throw rubbish on him. And uh, when, she, when she didn't do it one day, he checked on her. Now, I'm wondering if your men, because we can't ask women to do this because it's really dangerous times. But if you're men and you've got racist neighbors, how hard? How would you? What if their car broke down? Would you go? Ha ha ha! Or would you go? Can I help you fix that? Mm. And when they said go away, and the next time would you go? Can I help you fix that? You know? Would you? You, you know what I mean? Yeah, That's the yeah. level we need to be getting to. And Absolutely. I know it's a hard ask. I know it's a hard ask, but wow! And 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 the, Allah Taala says uh, you're kind to them, and then the the one who hated you can become better than your best friend. Right
0: so so i i feel and I, let me tell me what you think about this what's needed is a lot more empathy a lot more um reaching out you know it's not good enough that muslims we mm. we have ghettos it's really not good enough you know it's not good enough that uh, because we see people as so different to us we are willing to kind of ignore them and I mean, the opportunities for connection are all around us. And, and what I said to this lady was, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry that you've experienced Muslims in this way, you know, because the things that she was telling me. Um, and I said to her, and you're right, that people should have reached out better to you. And we as Muslims, we do need to do that better in, in the UK, you know. Um, but I said to her, I would like you to consider something, right? And I gave her an image of Britain, you know, change is always difficult change is difficult. And that's probably what you're feeling, you know, the changing face of Britain. But perhaps the future will be even nicer. And I gave her an image of, you know, like people in my family who, uh, you know, English, an English convert and a, an a Asian person who, who are married. And now they have a child who's half English, half Indian. And I gave her that image, you know, like, isn't that the future of Britain? Right. And she was, she melted. I'm telling you, I actually, I was really shocked because her reply after that was, thank you. You've made me feel so much better. Mm. And it was such a simple thing. She needed somebody to A, acknowledge. And and that's what I'm hearing when I hear like, you know, sometimes quite racist sounding people uh, say things like, you know, look what they're doing. Mm. Birmingham has become like. Afghanistan and yeah. you know stuff like that yeah. what they're really doing is that it's kind of a cry for help yeah. it's like my neighborhood is changing and I don't know how I fit into this new neighborhood nobody's making an effort to reach out to me and make me fit in and
1: are we pushing people to the parameters are, are we doing or are, what are we doing to stop them being on the parameters i think that's the question mm. we may not be responsible for that because usually yeah. it's economic yeah. and and it's socio political but but what are we doing to make sure people are brought in if Absolutely. we do yeah i've been saying since i came to islam if if you you're in a, an area and you've got this big mosque with a center and you're only doing that for muslims you're doing the wrong thing and what, half the week it's empty? There are single mums who need that space. There are mums with disabilities, disabled kids. There are the elderly. What are you doing? Because it's not right.
0: Yeah, so so your message to the Muslim community would be, what do we need to do more of?
1: Open up your spaces to, to, to everybody in the community. Uh, and, and and otherwise we we're, we're literally absolutely we're literally mosques are empty. Mosques are empty you between know?
0: prayers and you know other times. These
1: beautiful spaces. Mm. We're doing some. There are some lovely initiatives where when there was flooding, the mosques were open. mashallah, Yeah. Uh, when it was freezing cold nights, but it was hard. And I I don't know if you were I'm I'm sure you were part of this calling around and going Are you opening your mosque? You know? Oh, we 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 can't heat it overnight. Why not? Oh, we're going to need guards overnight. What, we haven't got young people in that you know, help to to make sure everybody's comfortable and nobody's... Come on. I think Grenfell was beautifully...
0: Well, it was a tragedy, but it was beautifully symbolic what the mosques in that area did at that time and the churches, you know, opened up and really... um, But
1: again, we have some amazing young people and they'll be better than we were. Inshallah.
0: Inshallah. And so, lastly, uh, Lauren, if you could... And I, sorry, I should call you Sister Lauren. You like being called Sister Lauren?
1: I do. Me. I like yeah. it. I <laughs> know you're not sure about. It. I like it.
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, the family I'm, of Muslims. Absolutely. So, lastly, I'd like to ask you about your show. You're about to roll this out. What is it? Uh, it's called Accidental Muslim. Accidentally Muslim. Accidentally Muslim. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it a manifestation of your or like a? bringing to life of your memoir Uh,
1: so accidentally Muslim uh, is taken from my memoir and it is an effort to use a creative space theatrical space for the narratives of the Muslims that I have met on my journey and to give access to a little taste of how one person was changed by those experiences by meeting these people and uh, although it's based on my life uh, it's a story for this age. It's a story of this moment. It's a story of celebrity. It's a story of loss, a story of joy, a story of poverty and riches, and a story of those light bulb moments when you go, huh? What was that? And then you pile out again and you just crack on and and have your your next fill of of whatever your nafs tells you. And then you stop again. And uh, it's beautifully crafted by the grace of Allah because I have an amazing team, uh, co-writers, director. and, And most of the team, by the way, that we've brought on board for this are not Muslims. They, but they believe in this project, and wow. and that the time is right for a different narrative about our community in this faith to be to go into the entertainment spaces, and uh, I think this is the time. If you're creative, right. We can't keep saying why are we just being seen in one way on mm. TV or film but are we being creative enough and getting our scripts out there and getting our stories out are they cl- are they classy enough are they high caliber enough you know just keep producing have that confidence group together inshallah because yeah. what i'm finding by the grace of allah is and this this is my akhirah right i'm I, I know i'm play i'm playing 12 parts over 40 years um and uh yeah and two faiths so it's two faiths 12 characters 12 characters and 40 years are covered in a one-hour show i play all the characters and um but yeah so it's a huge undertaking i'm i'm really enjoying the process i wouldn't have done it unless i had trained as an actor and i wouldn't have done it without the great team behind me by the grace of allah and i and i have to every day question myself is this for your Akhira? Or is this for your Nafs? Is this for your Akhira? Or this is for your Nafs. But by the grace of Allah, there's always a point in rehearsals when I cry. Really? And it's like, oh, this is the moment. This is what it's about. And everybody in the room says, this is the moment, including our Christian stage manager, Tom, who's amazing and is a real blessing to us, who said, that's the moment. And it's from the Quran. He's like, that's what matters. In this, Allahu Akbar. So yes, I hope you'll support it. Uh, it's going to be at Edinburgh um, from the 31st of August to 31st of July to the 26th of August. And by the way, here's breaking news: we've just been confirmed as having a London run later in the year. Okay. And awesome. this is bringing sections of the Quran, Quran to the stage in a in an, in a way that isn't preaching is an access moment. Um, mm. to, to the theatrical spaces and beauty to come in and creativity inshallah and to share our stories. So who should come to your event? Everybody and who should, should come. who should we bring? Who should we bring? Uh, bring your neighbours, bring your mums, bring your best friends' mums, bring your college mates, uh, bring everybody who likes a good show right and 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 it's family entertainment there's no swearing there's nothing rude in it um you know it's over 12 because there's some um there's serious content in it and there mm-hmm. are a couple of clips from iraq and there is some talk about palestine that 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 may be hard for children if you if you if you you know want to keep them away from that but otherwise you know if you love a good story if you like a good laugh and you want a good cry and you love your faith and you have friends and not muslims come
0: JazakAllah Khairan, uh, Lauren. Now we can go on that date that we have yes. been planning on going on. So, so My with stomach that, is inshallah, I'm going to wrap up. JazakAllah Khairan. And thank you for listening and uh, watching, dear listeners and viewers. Please do subscribe to the InFeed Feed podcast uh, YouTube channel. Uh, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Mashallah, we are one of the top. Uh, podcasts in the Islamic space on iTunes Uh, but we want you to write some comments you know give us some five stars inshallah that will all help and spread the word spread the word to your family your friends because these kind of conversations I think you'll agree are not conversations that are really easy to find on the internet at the moment and uh, uh, alhamdulillah we've had the blessing of having guests like sister Lauren um, and we'd like that to reach more and more people so, do share it with your family and friends. Uh, with that, I will finish. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashhhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.